This goes back to 1976. I had just spent three years as an assistant guide out at the tip of the Alaska Peninsula in the Aleutian Islands, which is about 800 miles west of here. Um, it was my very first year of guiding on my own, and I had two clients from Texas who were good friends and wanted to hunt together. So they had explained that they really loved adventure. They liked being out in places that were a lot different than Texas, and they were really looking forward to this. Well, I describe adventure as being insecurity. If you know what you're going to do and how it's going to turn out, there isn't any adventure to it. But if you don't know what you're going to do and don't know if you're going to live or die, there's a lot of adventure. And we were in for a truckload of adventure. <laughs> Fortunately, they were really good guys and put up with it. So a little background on the Alaska Peninsula Cold Bay area is there's lots of wind. Some of the people in here have been out there and know that there's really a lot of wind. Uh, 20 knots is considered light and variable when they talk to you on the radio. Runway of your choice. 40 knots is common. 60 is common. 100, 110 is not uncommon at all. When the wind is, blows on the airplane, when you got it tied down, if it's blowing on the prop, it'll sit and turn the engine through, keep RPM up. When you get up and walk, you'll be leaning into the wind, and if the wind cuts a little bit, you fall on your face. And you get up and you dig. It takes forever to go upwind, and unfortunately, you're always hunting that direction into the wind. You tear little holes in your hat so you can peek out through it, and it drives the raindrops in. And it ruins your binoculars. You clean your binoculars, and you turn around, and you go, bury them, clean them again. And in Cold Bay, they have cables over the buildings to keep them from blowing over. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So you start to get the idea. Ravens that fly to the dump on windy days are known to walk to the dump. <laughs> and when you get up in the morning, if you want to see how hard it's blowing, you look in the toilet, and if there's little white caps popping in there, <laughs> you know it's a pretty severe day. And that's for real. The wind is blowing over the vents on the houses, and it causes toilets to go pop, 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 which is a good day to stay indoors. So that's where we are on the weather. So I can't even see it in all this stuff. <laughs> we'll forget that. So this was the first hunt, and I was determined to make a good impression. And there was a beautiful weather we had then. It was gorgeous, sunny beautiful sunsets, and somehow I lost my mind and forgot about all this wind. And there was a camp I wanted to go into where I figured we could get two bears. The guys were also hunting caribou. I figured that we'd get a little caribou meat. We could get out there in a hurry. And I took two big, comfortable uh, Eureka Ranger tents that look a lot like sails, and we flew out there and landed at the very top of this valley. I also took two logs that I had tied to the belly of the airplane. Fortunately, it wasn't completely nuts. And we buried those and used them for tie-downs. Well, we sat and enjoyed the, wind, the sunset that evening and cooked a meal, and the wind started to pick up. And as we finished up supper, it turned into a gale. 
And by the time we were crawling in bed, it was a full-blown southwester coming through there. And the plane was shaking in the ropes, and our guys climbed into these tents that now decided they were sails. And they're trying to sleep in it as the wind pounds down on these tents, folds up all the rods, lays the tents over my clients. The wind is blowing the rain in sideways. They're soaked on one side. The rain's driving through the tents. These tents had nice, cute little rain covers on the top, never planning for them to be in the wind, and I don't know what I had been thinking of. But they were soaked on one side and dry on the other. Well, these winds came in like this, and they blew, and they blew for days. And they would crawl out of these wet, sopping tents, and we would go hunting. And at night, they would crawl back into them, into those sleeping bags, and somehow they kept their spirits up. But it kept blowing, and we were running out of food. And in walking down the valley, one day, into the wind, we looked down, and there was an old, old cabin down on the beach. Well, we got a slight break, and we had to do something to get out of these things. So when we got a little break in the wind, I jumped in the airplane. I flew down to the beach about two miles away. We landed. We pulled the airplane back up into the sand dunes, and we went into this old trapper's cabin. It was made out of timbers that were about four inches thick, 12 inches tall, stuff they made docks out of. The guy had really built it, but it had rotted away. The big hole in the roof, hinges had rotted off, the door fell off. But we went in there and went to work because it was shelter. And we found some shovels, and the handles had rotted away, but we started shoveling out through a hole in the wall, and I came across an old pair of cannery, big cannery boots. And I just pulled them out, and as I pulled them out, there were still leg bones in them. Which was something of a surprise. And as we dug in, the fellow <laughs> that had been living there was still in there. And all he could, what do you do? You pick him up and you say hello and send him out the window. We needed the cabin more than he did at the time. And we cut his clothes into strips and used them for caulking in between the wood to keep the wind from blowing through. And I took my knife and cut the soles off of those boots, and we put the door back up. There were some old nails in there and a hammerhead that we used by hand, and we hammered those soles of those boots into the sill, into the side of the timbers and into the door to make hinges. And I have pictures here tonight of what it looks like 40 years later. I went back there and I have pictures of it with the soles still on those boot, on those doors. So anyway, we moved in there, and we are uh, out of food. We had expected to be eating caribou, but the caribou were all up in the alders laying low. The only thing was moving were bears. And in those winds, if the bears didn't move in that country down there, they would starve to death. So they move all the time. So we were about seven or eight days into it, just living off what little cabbage and stuff we had left, when we saw a bear go down the beach. And we took off in all that wind and followed the bear down. Out around a rock point he went. We lost him on the other side. And as we were turning around and coming back, around this point, wading in the water now, we hit the other side and I heard rocks falling. And I looked up. And this bear was coming down that rock slide. We had pushed him up and over the top. And he looked at us and I looked at him. And that bear turned on us and charged. And I... We had seen a couple of big bears, and I told the clients, don't shoot, it's too small. And all I heard was, 
I have to, boom. And that bear, fortunately he killed it, it rolled right up, hit us in the legs, we fell over the top of it. And it went rolling down into the ocean where we skinned it. By now we are soaking wet. And the hide must weigh 200 pounds soaking all that water. And we drug it in the ocean, waist deep, in that storm, back to that cabin. But we had bear meat to eat. And I've never been much on bear meat, or especially brown bear meat, but that was some awfully good brown bear steaks <laughs> that kept us through for nearly the next week. We did get out of there. It did finally break. But I learned a valuable lesson. It's really helpful to have people with a good spirit and a love of adventure. They became lifelong friends, and they hunted with us many times. And I learned that I don't go across the street in Alaska without a sleeping bag and a rifle. And I don't go anywhere flying without at least two to three weeks of food. And I've never broken that rule since. <laughs>